I don't know about you, Clay, but this first taste of summer has got me got me hoping for a cold front is going to come through. But I don't think it was really this episode. <laughs> that's, that's, is that the best how, I've got? It's so it's so hot. I can't come up with on that. What's yeah, that? How long were you sitting on that? <laughs> well, it was either that or I go with Eminence Front. I think right, and I think uh, em- Eminence Front makes even less sense in the context. Yeah. But this is yeah. a uh, this is a punny enterprise title. Uh, it's a front in a war, but a cold mm-hmm. front is also a thing, meteorologically speaking, where cold air comes in and you feel better in the summer. Uh. Well, I think much like this episode itself, that title is uh, uh, a little. They thought about it a little bit too much for its own good. Mm, yes, did they think? We'll, we'll we'll figure that out. We'll play a quote from the episode, then we'll come back and we'll break down cold front. What is that? That doesn't look like Starfleet issue. It's because I'm not a member of Starfleet. Not that I wouldn't be honored to be one, sir, especially after spending time... Who are you? How do you know what happened on the Helix? Did Silic tell you who he was working for? I'm the one asking questions, crewman. Did he mention the temporal Cold War? What do you know about that? A great deal more than you do, sir. If you're not a member of Starfleet, then who are you? I work for a different kind of organization. We make sure that people like Silic don't interfere with historical events. I've never heard of a group like that. That's because it doesn't exist yet. All right, so Cold Front is the 11th episode in the first season, a whole lot of ones. It's the tw- it aired on the 28th of November, 2001. Written by Stephen Beck and Tim Finch, directed by Robert Duncan McNeil, who's Tom Paris on Voyager, making his first, I think, oh, no Enterpri- Enterprise directorial credit. In-universe date is September 12th, 2151. In this episode, Archer is confronted by a member of his crew who claims to be from fi- uh, ni- 900 years in the future and is there to capture a Suleban operative who has boarded Enterprise. And uh, just because I mentioned Duncan McNeil at this point, I will say... This was I I noticed the direction in this episode. I thought it was like really well shot in a lot of scenes where um he he used the camera to effectively convey storytelling in a lot of ways. Like the camera movement was effective at showing where the narrative was going in 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 cases and like they don't really do that a lot of the directors it's it's, it was it was interesting i just thought that he moved the camera really well in this and it's something that you can't say about a lot of star trek episodes but i thought the the direction deserved credit if nothing else in this one but you can either go off that clay or i am curious to hear what you thought about cold front because i think it's like a a fascinating episode in a lot of ways Mm. but what, what do you think uh well I think I need a question answered before I can tell you what I thought about this. Can you tell me what the hell actually happens in this episode? No. No, I can't. <laughs> so. I have no clue what was going on. Like I, I I'm not I'm not an idiot. I, I I understand generally the idea that they're playing with, but like I just I didn't know what was going on as far as like the bad guy and the good guy? I mean, was the was the confusion like I- intentional? Yes, I because- don't think that you get any answers to anything that goes on. All you get here is setup for what the temporal cold war is, and they don't tell you who's right, who's wrong, who's telling the truth, who isn't, and why any of this happened in the first place. Yeah, I I just found it very distracting because, and I thought it made Archer look like an idiot. Yes, it does. It does make Archer look like an idiot. Um, and 
you know, it, it was it was very hard for me to kind of care about anything because I wasn't really sure where it was going. Um, and like, I didn't know who was coming from where. And like, I, I get the, I get the idea where it's like, oh, who can you trust? Blah, 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 blah. But he trusts everybody really quickly. Yes, he does. <clears throat> and yeah, it just, <laughs> you know, when they had that scene with T'Pol where he's telling uh, T'Pol and Trip about the, 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 this get this time traveler, I, I was just like clapping along with T'Pol where she's like, why are you believe, why, what did he say or show you that? could make you believe any of this. He's like, well, he's got this, this like, uh, light up disc man from the future. Yep. And that was pretty convincing. And she's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and even Tripp's like, you know, I've seen holograms before. Maybe there, maybe there's some kind of hologram. No, Archer, <laughs> Archer does the, uh, the Mayweather thing from fortunate son where whoever he talks to, he goes along with for the next five yeah. minutes. And it's really, he's really, like shockingly ineffective as a leader with any kind of point of view here where he trusts Daniels immediately. And then he goes to talk to the Suliban. And I thought his biggest mistake is when he's talking to the uh, Suliban and then to Paul calls him on the communicator and he has to answer the phone basically in front of the guy who's got a gun. When she goes, when she reveals that Daniels is the guy, he doesn't go get Daniels the fuck out of here before he gets shot by the gun. There's no, No, he's completely complicit. Yeah. And and, and is that, also part of the like i, I don't know it, I, I just i feel like I, I feel like archer is the character that needed to have some sort of grounding in this in order for this other stuff they're doing to work and he doesn't have that because he's he's just flip-flopping back and forth he's not really questioning anything and uh, ultimately he doesn't have any opinion about what what just happened. No, it's very much like the the Martha scene from Batman versus Superman too, where he's like, he said temporal cold war. No one has yeah. ever said <laughs> temporal cold yes. war before, except for these two. My people. mother's name is also temporal cold war. <laughs> no, it's. I think it's a. I think that's maybe the biggest problem. It continues to be a problem where Archer is not really well drawn, but he. If you're going to have chaos of the universe swirling around in this episode, which I. I can kind of get behind the idea of like no answers in this episode. And if you're just setting up the time travel, maybe that's effective. I have some counters to that, which we can go over uh, I later. Also, I also am, am not – this temporal Cold War is going to be a real hard sell for me, I think. Well, I guess we can start there then and then maybe we can branch back to the other things. I think that for me, what's hard about the temporal Cold War at this point is that if you're going to – I think that all successful time travel – is a story that uses time travel as a mechanism or a device, but it's not really about the time travel. And I think that the problem with the Temporal Cold War is that it feels like it's going to be a whole bunch of trivia about time travel. And when you get to the end of it, you're going to be like, "This, this basically dismantles any kind of understanding of how the Star Trek universe works. I was thinking that too. I was like, as soon as he opened up that, you know, uh, uh, star map thing or temporal star map thing and and i was like so so the so the prime timeline is no longer a thing then right because the, theoretically people are going back and fighting and changing shit all the time all the time so no, yeah nothing means anything right we don't know which timeline is effective here and because there's no because this episode doesn't give you an emotional sense of what's at stake with the time travel beyond the fact that this guy is trying to stop allegedly he's trying to stop people from time traveling and affecting things all that you're left with are weird techno babble examples of time travel 
And right. it's just not really interesting that all of that is happening. It's destructive to the narrative as well as not being really something that I want to latch my teeth into and be like, oh, yeah, tell me more about time travelers going back to various points in time and who comes from which timeline and what and, uh, you know, who's from what time and who's from another. And it, it doesn't it's just not very effect. It's not effective enough to latch you into the story that they want here. And if Archer had a better sense of uh, sense of what the ramifications of this were, maybe it would work better. But he doesn't in this episode. Yeah, they. They. I mean, that explanation where he's, what's his name? Well, I don't remember. remember Daniels the guy's name. is the Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Where Daniels is explaining the temporal Cold War to Archer would be the perfect time to lay out what the stakes of this are, but he doesn't. And he's very vague about even what's happening. And so it's really, it's like, it's really difficult to. Also contradictory where he's like, we are, we are sworn to not interfere with the past. But here, here, I'm going to tell you exactly what, yeah. well, what we're doing here. Rule, rule number one of a fictional character who's sworn to not interfere is they always interfere. Right. That's just what yeah. they do. It's, it's innate in time travel. But like the, the very setup of what they are supposed to do is flawed, really. And, you know, like. That goes into it's not they don't reveal in this episode why the guy why the Suliban pulled the uh the cord out of the plug basically to stop right, the engine from right. blowing up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't do that. They don't um they don't show you why Daniels might actually be the bad guy. Like they, right. you don't have any reason to trust Daniel well, I should say you don't have any reason to trust the Suliban, but you don't have any reason to trust Daniels either. Right. Um I I'm sorry. You don't have any reason to trust the Suliban, but you don't have any reason to distrust Daniels. You can go either don't... way on Daniels, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like the the Suliban hasn't done enough for you to go, oh, yeah, maybe he's a good guy, actually. Yep. Like when the, when the show opens with uh, the Shadow King there giving him some sort of like uh, uh, secrecy chameleon upgrade or whatever. I don't. No, he downgrades him. Oh, he downgrades. He him? takes his eyes away. He takes away his enhanced oh. vision. Oh, I thought he was giving him something else so he could do this mission. No, it, it's, it, it makes even less sense. He takes away an advantage that he has as punishment, and then sends him out to do the mission where his ad, ad, enhanced eyesight might actually be a help to him in some sure. way. So it, it's sure. very strange. Yeah, but uh, but regardless, like when you when you start when you start the show with this character being, uh, you know, in 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 the. In the presence of the evil emperor, I don't exactly trust him when he shows up later and he's like, don't you want to thank me for saving your life? No, you obviously have some ulterior mode. Like, I, I, it's the, I the wouldn't way have that even remembered him everything. from Broken Bow if they had told me that this was a different Suliban. I, I, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah no idea. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they, they don't – I think taking a, a minute to at least lay out – some sort of relatable stakes for this temporal Cold War thing would have gone a really, really long way. Yeah. This is this is terrible serialized storytelling, really. Like if they're they're because they're they're trying to spread this Cold War thing across, right? The last time we heard it was in the pilot, and they're bringing it up here to kind of refresh yourselves that this is a thing that's what's going on. But the um it, it's the failure of serial meeting episodic because you, you Maybe this would be fine in a more serialized story where you can go to the next episode and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to wait for my answer that's going to come. But because this is in such a standalone thing, the fact that you don't get any answers just feels like a colossal waste because you don't know when – it's been 10 episodes since we saw the first time. So are we going to wait another 10 episodes to get back into it or what are we supposed to expect from it? And it's – um. 
it was the go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say the the different the thing that i doesn't work for me is that there's no there's no self-contained story that has any sense of resolution to it um the plume (laughs) the the watching the plume is the only thing that feels even even that even the stuff with those people like that other guy on the other ship is just like yeah whatever just let me know when you're done yeah uh, but like, there's no for this episode itself. There's no sense of of story being completed or told. It's this episode feels like if you were if you had a plumber coming into your house and a guy coming into your house to fix your water heater, and they keep giving you contrasting information about like what's making things broken and what's making things work, and then ultimately they both just leave and everything works fine. Right. Yeah. Like there's no, I don't know what what I'm supposed to be uh, taking away other than oh the plumbers and the water heater guys seem to not like each other. Right. Yeah. And it, you don't have a sense of whether or not you're going to have hot water for the the. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the what the week. hell was Daniels even doing there? Which just he was just trying to find the Sulaban Sulaban guy. Is that it? Had he, had he been there since the start of this? I don't know. He must have been right. There's only 80 people on this ship and they're not picking up new people anywhere that they go. He must have been hanging out doing the long con with them. I guess. Nobody else seems to go like, who the hell fuck is that guy? Right. Yeah. And he's 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 worked his way into delivering Archer's scrambled eggs in the morning. Like he's he's yeah. he's ingratiated himself enough into Archer's day-to-day. I mean, you. It's another thing of the episodic. It's like when once this guy has more than two sentences strung together, you know that he's involved somehow in right in what's right. going to happen. And maybe there's a little bit of a twist here where he's the time traveler that no one really expected. But it's. <laughs> I I have to say, so as as soon as he showed up and they spent more than half a second on him, I was like, okay, this guy's either evil or he's going to die. And I technically I was right. Yep. Um, but I was definitely not expecting him to be a time cop. <laughs> this this episode really takes a turn about the halfway, it's, quarter it's of the a, way halfway in. It's another episode of Archer being vaguely hit on by people where the guy's like, "Come back to my quarters. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. this over in my quarters." After the drink with the captain, the last one, Archer's just uh, Archer's just desired across the uh, across the galaxy, I suppose. Yeah, he's. That's my fundamental. Like I'm the the episode is interesting because it kind of holds my attention just in how surreal a lot of it is, and that you're like, wow, it's really, it, it's like this incredibly generic Star Trek adventure that's draped in kind of time travel nonsense that the show is really not even trying to do anything. Like I, you know, when they put the lock on the door at the end, is that some kind of time lock on that like i i don't i don't understand I don't what know. locking the door really does and it's very creepy are they going to go back in there and sort of fiddle with stuff and see what the time travel was coming from but it's the more you think about it it's it also like sorry finish i'm sorry no it's, it's the more that you think about this one the more that i just get worried about where the temporal cold war can go from this point because it only seems like a bad idea really for Star yeah. Trek in particular. Yeah, the thing with the door, like I kind of I kind of liked that final shot because it was kind of creepy and it is kind of like, ooh, what could possibly be in there? But then I was thinking about it. It's like it was just like he was living with a roommate. Yeah. Like what could he possibly be hiding in that like five by six, four room? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. Like it's not, it's not like it's not like if you open the door and like look under the mattress, there's a bunch of future weapons or something. I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. It's just it's a it's an odd thing to uh, um to lean in on as though like the the contents of that room are somehow unknowable. Right. It just we it's like the the perfect crime scene. You just have to lock down and never let anyone. I did like the final shot, which is kind of interesting. It was, it was vaguely creepy, but just uh, looking at the lock on the door and with the music plays. But yeah, he's. I'm. I, w- I was honestly really surprised that Daniels. Nothing seems to counteract what Daniels said in this. You know, I was I was expecting some sort of twist where someone had been lying and. You know, maybe the Suleban is lying, but you don't really have enough information to go on whether or not he's actually lying or if he's doing something true. Like mm-hmm. my my gut tells me that the Suleban is lying and that Daniels is honest, but that seems like a strange use of Daniels, really, where he only Daniels doesn't have any reason to exist other than to come back and fail to do something, really. And right. I don't know. Like you'd expect that Daniels would either reveal something if he's going to fail his mission, or he's going to accomplish his mission and stop the Suliban, and that would be the the taste of what time travel cops are are doing in this universe, and that they're preventing things from happening and changing the future. But he doesn't seem to do that. He seems to fail at what he was supposed to do. Yeah, they don't even really get into the idea that the Suliban was saving him, saving the ship for some like long con reason they have like one throwaway line where he's like uh don't you want to know why i disconnected your power surge thing john and then yeah and then archer's like i honestly don't know what's going on here (laughs) in any sense (laughs) and he's like he doesn't follow that up by being like the the enterprise the 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 safety of the enterprise is is important for the future events you know also why does this okay? Why does the Suliban know about the future? Is it because of the black the the, the Mr. shadow Sh- guy? Shadow guy is telling them about the future. Okay, yep. but but still, like that would have been the that would have been the moment to give you something like some sort of like you know uh, Q type thing where it's where he they uh, uh, abstractly uh muse about the about the uh the, the possibilities of the future regarding the enterprise you know some, yeah, just something yeah. something to grab onto other than like you know no, uh, nothing i was going to say something to grab onto uh did remind me that this might is this the worst depiction of the vacuum of space ever put to film where the, when the guy jumps out of <laughs> jumps where out they of. open they <laughs> open up the the the, the pod bay, the hangar bay door and it's just like a light breeze. Yeah, it's like it's like a hairdryer on low <laughs> setting. It's just billowing through Archer's hair. Yeah, as he which walks he very... into walks back into the uh, the safety of the other room. Yeah, not to mention the fact that like they suck all the air out, and like it was accurate that oh, there's only so much air, and then once the air's gone, there's no more vacuum. But like Archer continues his action sequence yeah. in that room, <laughs> I guess while holding his breath, holding his breath, and not doesn't explosively. Uh, decompress or anything i mean the suliban like jumps out like it's a uh airplane jump you know like there's right it's right. just the physics i i honestly didn't realize they had decompressed anything until archer couldn't breathe when he got back in right. and was starting to pants because i thought yeah. that there was like a force field or something that the alien Me too. jumped out of i thought there was a force field too but then i remembered that the the nx01 doesn't have any like oh force that's right or anything yeah like they that. don't have yeah. force fields at this point do they so he's just he is more powerful than the very weak vacuum of space. <laughs> and just it's 
a little bit tangential here, but it's another bad thing about Archer where Trip is showing him the, the cable that got pulled out and saved the ship from exploding. And Archer's like, ah, probably one of your guys pulled that out. And he walks away. And Trip's like, hey, no, right. like my, my crew didn't do that. They would have announced it. Why, why does Archer not question why the person was randomly pulling out the thing that saved the ship, right. knowing right. what was happening? And why does he think that that person, who has not told them that there's a plot to blow up their ship, is is doing anything good out of their heart. It's Archer just seems completely clueless as to what's going on with his crew and these other things. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, everything about this episode feels really just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Would you say that this is your least favorite of the ones so far or are you intrigued uh, by its strangeness? I, I guess I'm a little intrigued by its strangeness, but it does this, this episode to me felt like they were grasping at the deep space nine straws. In terms of, in terms of the, uh, is it what I was serialized? Yeah, is it is it just is it them attempting to do something serialized and not really understanding how they're supposed to lay this out appropriately? Well, it's it's not just that that's part of it, but it's also it also feels like they're going for that sort of uh, multifaceted uh, uh, war type approach where you're kind of caught in the middle of two sides, sort of thing. Uh, and you have to kind of play play the angles on it, Game of Thrones style a little bit. Uh, the Suliban are, are getting very, very close to uh, changelings for me because apparently they can turn invisible and also shape sh- shapeshift. Yes. They can make themselves so, squishy. Yeah, the episode sure. reminds me a lot of um, X-Files because they had that episode of, like Stretch or whatever it's called. Oh, that, yeah, and, yeah. And because That's a good one. that final shot of um, the door lock felt very X-Files-y to me. Yeah. But yeah, it, it feels like they're they're trying to uh, to wade into the deep space nine waters, but they're not. Um, they didn't uh, didn't look really... before they leapt. They just like, kind of yeah. jumped into the deep end of the pool without sort of realizing whether would, or not there's a floaty in there. I would argue uh, alternatively that they 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 didn't look to see what end they were jumping into, and they just like dove headfirst into the three foot end. Mm. And so then they just come out all dazed and not really sure what's going on. Yeah, yeah, maybe that, that's. And yeah, I, mean, I I agree that I think that's definitely what it is. It's a it's an attempt to, to do something in the style of DS Nine, or at least to do something like what the other series of television are doing at this point. But it's it's like if you're starting a series, maybe the complex time travel story is not the best way to like lay out yeah. an opening arc to go with it's just so complicated. it's the first season yeah it's the first season and they're pulling out time war shit with multiple factions and multiple t- it's not like it's a i like a simple like terminator from the future is now back in the present day and he's going to kill you it's you know the Suliban are in one time the shadow guys in another time i'm from 900 years in the future here's some archaeologists back on giza it's like it's too much too much daniels like yeah. there's too much information i here. i would argue the way to do this is to have one episode where they just meet a time traveler yep and the story involves the time traveler whether or not they think he's telling the truth about being a time traveler it's kind of benign as far as like what you know it's not there's none of this temporal war stuff it's just sort of like they meet a time traveler maybe he's crazy maybe he's telling the truth and then at the end it's like oh i guess he is a time traveler because they go from not even like really except for the one off mentioning of the temporal cold war 
they don't mention time travel at all in this series. And even in this episode, when it comes up, Paul is like, it is impossible. And our scientists have have our, our scientists have have done research and have decided that it is not possible, never has been possible, and it never will be possible. Yeah, and that's a lot to kind of to to adding the deconstructing of whether or not time travel is even possible in this episode is a lot to add on to everything else that they're already doing. So yeah, I think <coughs> excuse me, I think it just needed to be simpler. I think you needed to kind of ease in to time travel on this show yeah for because it's it's so this show for lack of a better term is a lot more grounded than a lot of the other star trek shows are off the bat yeah yeah. more human like that yeah it's more human a lot of this their entire mo up to this point is "Eh, we don't really have technology that can do that yet and how do we do things without that future technology yeah so to jump from we don't even have shields on our ship to now we're dealing with time travelers. It just seems like a, it's a big jump. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it definitely is. Um, <laughs> it's just so, it's just so complicated. I mean, there was a, there was a TNG episode, uh, listener Kyle's favorite, um, called a matter of time. It might be something like that where it's a, a time traveler, comes onto the enterprise and he's like, I'm a time traveler from the future. Uh, I, am here to study the enterprise on this very important mission. And so the enterprise goes about their business. And as the mission is unfolding, uh, it's like a comet's going to hit a planet or something. Picard's like, you need to tell us because you know, from the future, like what we're supposed to do because things are looking bad for this. And the time traveler goes, well, I can't tell you because that would impact things. Right. And so Mm -hmm. they solve the mission and then it's revealed that the time traveler is actually from the past. He just mugged and stole a time travel device from someone from the future in the past and brought it to his future. Mm-hmm. And so he couldn't tell anyone because he didn't actually know what it was, right? Like that's the the gimmick there is he doesn't actually right. know the answer right. of, as to what that's they're supposed fun. to do. But here, I feel like Daniels could have kind of had that role where – if he is an agent from the future, him not being able to tell somebody about what is happening is and uh, something, it's at least a twist to put on him without giving him clearance to tell Archer everything while simultaneously telling him nothing of importance about right. it. Like he, he tells yeah. him everything except for what is going on. He gives him all the dressing of it except for like the nuts and bolts of what he needs to do. And a little twist there where Daniels is compromised and can't say things would have been better and it also makes it more of a mystery as to whether or not Daniels is, is telling the truth because if he can't tell you these things it's very hard for him to actually prove that he is a time traveler you know yeah 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 i mean when 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 he pulled him aside pulled archer aside uh and he's like i'm from a group my first thought was oh he's section 31 mm-hmm. that was the first thing i thought of uh, so when he said I'm a time cop, I was like, oh, that was not what I was expecting. Because <laughs> Section 31 seems like a much more you know grounded idea for this show. Yes, even though it's very early in the time in the Star Trek timeline for Section 30. Unless do they already exist by this point? I don't know what. The well, they're written official into the charter, right? So there's no Federation charter, so they don't have a Section 31 of that yet. So maybe it's proto Section 31 or something. Yeah, like the the SAS instead of the CIA or yep. whatever. Yeah. Uh, or maybe SAS is, is British. I can't remember. Uh, SAS might be the precursor to MI6 or something. I forget. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, it's just uh, it's just really kind of 
like I, I I applaud them for what they're trying to do, but I feel like they needed a few more like writers' room sessions to kind of hash it out. Like it it feels it, this is even another introducing one. Daniels earlier than this. You know, if you right. if Daniels had been there three episodes ago with some sort of crewman who had a minor role in something, um, would have been a great way to write Mayweather out of the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you just pick him and be like Mayweather is actually a time cop oops he gets killed at the end of this what are we gonna do <laughs> um but yeah like i it seems it seems like one of those things where kind of like picard actually i feel like the writers know so much about what's going on that they're forgetting what information the people need Mm, uh, yeah, I, I feel the opposite. I, I feel. The, oh, really? Okay. I feel the writers being like, I don't know what what we're going to do with this. Just we have. That's to, possible too. Yeah, we have to. The, I feel the. We have to set something up, but we don't have anything locked in stone at this point. We haven't thought about it enough. So just give incredibly vague things about the future and the past and the fact that time travel is possible, and that'll be enough to sort of build off of. But while this may be enough to build a arc off of, it's not enough to build an episode around. It does. I mean, that is possible too. It does. It does. It does feel like another thing where it's like they at the beginning of their writers' room meetings or whatever. The, the temporal cold war was this thing that they decided they were going to do. But every time it comes up, they just kick the can down the road. Yeah. Like the first time it came up, eh, yeah, we're not going to explain this now. It's something we're going to do later. And then it comes up again. And they're like, Ugh, uh, I don't know. Let's just do what we can, and we'll try and figure this out later. Like right. that. That is also an uh, an opposite and another uh, a possibility. But yeah, it just it did feel to me like. I guess I guess that's sort of like two ends of the same, you know. They're they're kind of equal equal uh, two two sides of the same coin. There we go. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's a difference of intent. I think it ends right, up with the same right. kind of feeling in terms of whether whether or not you like the episode or you think that the episode's good. But I think that the the intent there is um, Picard. It's kind of an opposite in that Picard has too much information that they can't insert into the amount of runtime that they have. Where this has no information, so it can't fill out the forty five minutes that it needs to yeah. to make an episode. Picard. Picard was trying to be clever by keeping things too close to the vest, like by having too much information and and keeping things too close to the vest. This is trying to be clever by keeping things close to the vest because they don't actually have the information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just <laughs> trying to, to cover cover up for their lack of information by being like abstract. Yeah. It's it's too bad. I mean, and uh, that's pretty much it. We can wrap it up there. It's just a. It's just a strange, like, I, I was sort of mesmerized by the episode in some ways. Like, I, I don't really remember it. I don't remember anything about the cold, temporal Cold War. So everything that happens sure. here is going to be something very, uh, it's new to both of us at this point. But it's, um, I knew, like, I knew watching it that it couldn't possibly amount to anything. But I still spent the entire episode going, this has got to, <clears throat> this has got to do something. Like, you can't, you can't just have this, and like, even further which we haven't talked about the religious awakening stuff that's going mm. on here. I actually really liked it. It reminded me strongly of TOS. There's a lot of scenes of TOS where people are just having like a uh, luncheon buffet while they're standing yeah. around talking. To I each actually, other. I was thinking of Star Trek five. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And I am um, in contrast to what Archer does poorly in the other scenes, I really like Archer when he's talking to sort of religious fundamentalists that he's invited on his ship because his mission is to meet people. And they're like, mm. they're like, do you believe in God? He's like, well, 
keeping my my options open here. I don't want to commit to anything right now. And so Paul has her answer about like worshiping logic and stuff like that. They were, it it was just kind of a, it was like a neat melding of real world awkwardness paired onto the Star Trek thing of meeting a new alien species. And I thought that that was kind of neat. Like it goes to the human aspect of the show where Arch is out there mm. trying to meet people and he runs into uh, religious fundamentalists and he doesn't really know how to do how to interact with them in a way that doesn't feel offensive, but he wants to study them and he doesn't want to tell them the truth about what he thinks and things like that. It was, it was just kind of a neat, small version of an Enterprise story, which I think this series continues to do pretty well. Yeah, I, you know, that's another thing too. I wish, I, I was kind of, yeah, I, I feel like both of us are kind of uh, really liking the smaller things in this series so far. And so when you, I think that's also part of why when they throw the temporal cold war at you, it's like, uh, I, I just, I really like it when nothing happens on this show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I, you know, as for what I was talking about, as far as I wish this episode had like something, some sort of self contained story, I wish that the stuff with the pilgrims played into the story at all, other than just being like a nice little aside. Yeah. Um, like there, I was expecting whatever that starburst was to be central to the plot, right? But it's not. It's just sort of like stuff that they're kind of doing on the side. I thought it was going to be like some sort of temporal convergence point, or you know, some shit like that. Yep. yep. Uh, but it just never comes up again. And even even at a certain point, those guys just disappear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the the. Biggest conflict well, of that plot a- is how many people want to come over to the ship to watch it. It's Arch is throwing like a Super Bowl party, and he's like, "Hey, right? Tell your friends, no. like, come on, come on over to my place. We'll watch it through the view screen." And like, ah, not to mention, home. not to mention the fact that they keep they just keep everybody on the ship once once like they call red alert or whatever. Yeah, they don't yep. they don't send they don't go. I'm, thank you for coming. Sorry, we have something to deal with. Send you back to. The- What's the other guy doing the whole episode? Is he just like hanging out reading a book while the entire compliment of his transport is over the, on the, the captain the yeah cap, yeah he's just over there i guess he's he's only paid to bring these people here so he he does have, i mean his characterization is pretty on par where arch is trying to like introduce himself and like he's very dis- unimpressed by what the Enterprise yeah. is doing. i do <laughs> my favorite thing about this show so far is that consistently uh the humans always interact with alien species like in a really uh excited way and all the alien species just think that they're just you know lame as hell yes yeah yeah they've all been there done that and but the enterprise is very they're like um enterprise like mission uh mormon missionaries that come to your door it's like a huge smile on their face and you're just like i've been through this before buddy Mm -hmm. like i don't Mm -hmm. don't need to hear this spiel um the the only other like not even vital to this but i i i do like the character of flocks uh interestingly he's he's like he, I wouldn't call him annoying. He's borderline annoying, but he's he's a grounded uh, performance that I think he's always been consistent in that he's like a um, like a culture sponge. He just wants to learn about everything, right? And I like that about him. And it got me thinking. Like he's a fairly, I would say that some uh, maybe it's not fair. Uh, the doctors across the board are fairly. This is probably not true, but the doctors always strike me as characters that I'm never particularly interested in. But I do like Flocks as a doctor character, even if he hasn't done much doctoring. I think that he's, uh, especially compared to the rest of the Enterprise crew, he's fairly well defined at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's got a personality. Yeah, you know, he's he's uh, he's not just a doctor. He's clearly interested in other stuff. He's, I mean, f- eight episodes. How many episodes of this have we done? This is eleven. Oh, wow, eleven. Jeez. 
uh, 11 episodes in, he's more defined and has more character than Crusher ever had across seven seasons. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's, uh, he's got a, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a good, um, small bursts player. Yes. Like the, yeah. the times that they use him, they use him really well. I'll be interested to see his first, his first focused episode will be interesting to see oh, how, yeah, where yeah. you can go with this kind of character. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's coming up in a couple episodes. Uh, yeah, and that, that's pretty much it. Um, we can wrap it up there. We'll play a quote. I did, I did want to point out one more thing. When uh, Malcolm leaves the bridge and puts Mayweather in charge, and he gets in the, the he gets in the captain's chair, and he's like, "Do you think they'll be mad if I shoot a torpedo?" <laughs> <laughs> what are you six? There's another <laughs> ship right there. I think they would be mad if you just shot a torpedo. That was another strange scene, just because it didn't fit in. Really? And while I'm not opposed to little sort of slice of life sequences like that, it feels like that's a cold open scene, you know? Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was just, I'm all for giving Mayweather some kind of personality and stuff like that, but it just, it, it did feel, it felt like a scene that was inserted because the script was coming in short or something. And I think that in a lot of ways, the, the flock sequences feel that way too, where they have flocks go over with them, which is perfectly in character for him. But him having a five minute scene where he talks about doing like yoga and eating breakfast with them is like, well, <laughs> eh, I don't know if we need this at this point, but what else do we got? Yeah, it just, it's, it makes, it, 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 it what am I trying to say here? Um, scenes in these shows, these shows are so short. That scenes in these shows, you expect to, them to be part of the plot in some way. Even if that's like adding, like you just get a little bit of a plot thing at the end of the scene or whatever to just kind of like give it that that puzzle piece feeling. And the, that scene with Mayweather doesn't really do that. And some of the flock scenes don't really, I mean, that that whole plot with flocks ultimately doesn't amount to anything. No. So I think, I, I just think that's part of the problem with this episode is like it's so hard to kind of grasp on to what is going on that those scenes that are that are even uh less cohesive to the story uh stand out yeah. as be as being such yeah yeah all right we'll call it the day there we'll play a quote from the episode we'll come back and give some patron thoughts and then give our final thoughts about cold front the transport ship has left we're ready to resume course Have you learned how it works? Not a clue. Starfleet tends to offer one hell of a report. I'm not quite sure where to begin. I'd be glad to help. First thing in the morning. I don't know about you, but uh, I could use a good night's sleep. Agreed. All right, everybody. If you enjoyed the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash file and support the show there. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. You get extra podcasts, extra commentary videos, extra behind-the-scenes nonsense. You can get access to the, uh, the Discord, the exclusive Discord server for the Captain Backers. All that stuff and more. Patreon.com slash file. And as always, we give a special shout-out to our Captain Tier supporters. Special thank you goes to as soon as I... Click the correct button to make the list pop up. Alec DeWolf, Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Captain 
Brazen, Cardinal Doomsday, Chris Tinsley, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouth, Darth Moss, David Beardmore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Eric Antoine, HH28, Jake123, Jakey's Gamer, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Lowry, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Mad Courier 6, Matt Cutler, Matt Houston, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Mike Harris, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Owens, Samuel Custer, Grim Santos, Sean, Stephen Minson, Tark Latif, Tom Howells, and Vault 13 Hero. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. I'll do patron thoughts. Patrons leave their thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them. I'm going to go to the top here. Matt Ross says, the temporal Cold War returns with a mighty, huh? So the whole point was to show that there's a spy on Enterprise which had a pretty map and a tracking silic who's there. Why exactly? Is this Enterprise actually supposed to be dead? I don't really get what this episode is about other than reminding us that a temporal Cold War is a thing. I do like that this can be a premise. I'm just not sure this is the A story with the visiting aliens. The banter between the crew on time travel is fun. The aliens visiting the star didn't really add anything. The best part was the alien captain acting annoyed at the Enterprise bothering him and the disinterest in Enterprise announcing their exploring mission almost like saying there goes the neighborhood in the end why not rip apart daniel's room to see what's in there isn't space a premium on enterprise here's something that i still question in the episode how long can archer hold his breath in a vacuum i mean silic opens the bay doors to space there's no shielding and archer not only pulls himself up a catwalk and into a repressurized room but is able to talk great lungs on that guy like why if daniels is coming back in order to stop sulaban from doing whatever right <clears throat> why don't they why don't they do the thing where it's like i mean i guess obviously we don't know what the, the reason that he saved the ship but even after he saves the ship daniels doesn't change his his like approach as if Suleban has changed the future at all you know what i mean no there's like, no well there's no commenting on Daniels neither reveals why it was vital that the Enterprise doesn't get destroyed, which is fine. He doesn't need like, but there's no, there's not even a, an acknowledgement that whatever happened was the right thing that needed to happen or the wrong thing that needed to happen. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, imagine if, imagine if they they uh, do the the time cop thing a little bit earlier, right? And so Archer knows that Daniels is from the future, and he's like, I'm here. I'm trying to get this guy. I don't know which one of these people he is, but he's somebody. I have to get him before he drastically changes the future. And so then they get hit with that, you know, whatever the thing that causes the ship to start rocking. And the Suleban guy goes and he puts the thing in and he saves the ship. And then all after that, Daniel's his demeanor changes because he has drastically changed the future by saving the Enterprise from blowing up. Yeah. So now uh, you kind of get stuck in it. Daniels ends up in like a reverse uh, uh, yesterday's Enterprise kind of situation where he's in the past and now he has to decide whether or not he's going to blow up the Enterprise. Yeah, I like the idea you know, of like, I like the idea of a time traveler coming back and changing something, and then because he has changed something, he's no longer aware of what the timeline is going to look like. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, you know, like so if he did something like this early. And that also gets around the fact that you can't ask him what to do because if he says, I changed the, the, this event, like the, the non-destruction of the Enterprise or whatever changed history at this point and I can no longer help you with what is supposed to happen yeah. to get to a point. I mean, that's, they, they go from yesterday's Enterprise, which is the entire, the entire history of the timeline hinges on whether or not the Enterprise C – is it the Enterprise C? It is, right? Whether or not the Enterprise C blows up yep. uh, fighting the Romulans or whatever it is. And into this one where it's like he casually saves the ship from exploding and it's like not really that big of a deal. Yeah. This, and to be clear, even more confusingly, the Suleban saves the Enterprise. 
right yeah right. yeah which is um not that there, we've been way off but i think that that's just another weird twist that's never like explained as to what, like is Daniel supposed to allow the Enterprise to blow up at that point or what is he? That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. like if 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 you if you introduce him earlier, and so but you don't you don't show that he why he's there like what he's there to stop from happening, and, and he's just like hi I'm a time cop I'm here I got to get this guy he's from the future or he's gonna he's gonna do something he's trying to change the fu- he's trying to change the future uh, so I got to get him and then he fa- <laughs> he fails. And Suleban saves the Enterprise from blowing up, and then Daniels' whole demeanor changes. Yeah, he's like, now, okay, he has saved the Enterprise from blowing up, but if the Enterprise still blows up, then we can maintain the timeline. So then Daniels starts going, uh, changing from the quote unquote good guy into the possible bad guy. Right, and he's he's using the "gotta save the future" excuse as to why he's going to kill. You know, two hundred, one hundred and fifty people, or whatever it is, at that point on the ship. Yes, right. And so, like, you know, then you have a story where you still, you kind of get the, uh, you you get that future uh, that yesterday's Enterprise kind of feel from Archer when he is now debating. You know, is this guy telling the truth? If he is, does my ship and my the, my complement of crew do we all have to die in order to maintain a future that I don't even know what that means? Right. You know, you've got you've got some stuff to play with there instead of just looking confused for forty minutes. It also makes the Daniels time cops more of a uh, nuanced group of characters because. They they can either be allies or enemies depending on the situation at that point, right? Like whatever right. whatever they consider to be the actual timeline that they need to stick to, they can either help you get there or harm you trying to get back to that point. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Jakey's Gamer says, I never really cared for the execution of the temporal Cold War or the fact that they started Enterprise off with a time, story in ge- uh, time travel story in general, but hearing Daniels explain it again on rewatch makes me think the idea itself is pretty interesting. It makes sense that at some point in the future, different species will develop safe, stable methods of time travel, and since it could be used as a weapon, there would be governments and agencies trying to keep each other in check to avoid mass destruction. There's a great story or even a series in there somewhere. I just don't think that this is the right place for it. Flox is good here. I've always appreciated his character trait of wanting to fully experience other cultures and really having no shame in doing so. The rest of the episode itself is fine, but the the ending always gets me. There's no reason to lock up Daniel's quarters and not search through it other than to leave a plot thread open for a future episode in the most conspicuous way possible. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I think that would be my biggest change is I would I would introduce the time cop way earlier. Yep. You know, in this episode, that, or you mean earlier in this in, in this episode? Yeah. I would I would expose Daniels as a as a time cop, like in the first 15, cold open, like short, sh- yeah, even the cold open, yeah, because that because I mean, you could do a thing where you know he comes in and he's like, yeah, I'm from the future, and like, well, you're not from the future, and he's and he says, well, uh, later on today, you're going to run into a group of people from on this transport ship who yep. are pilgrims to this thing. And they're like, what? And then, you know, that happens. And they're like, Oh, okay. Maybe this guy is from the, you know, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Like, I think that's, that is more interesting than what they're, they're, they're trying to play it too close to the vest, whether or not it's because they don't want to, they're, they're trying to be clever. Like I said, but whether they're trying to be clever about what they have planned or because they don't have anything planned. Yeah. Poindexter G says, definitely more coherent than the last go at the Temporal Cold War. Still more questions than answers. I did like the subplot of Flocks being interested in the Pilgrims. It's nice to run into someone friendly for once. They're pretty friendly. 
Stefan Minton says, cold front, ah, scrambled eggs just the way you like it. The universally acknowledged way of saying, I am from the future, but you can totally trust me. It is humanity's first mission into deep space, but even so, Archer and Trip seem way too trusting when it comes to Daniels and his, his fantastical explanations. Although I suppose there's a good chance that Archer and Trip are just hallucinating the entire story after taking a sip of the Vucentine in Archer's quarters. After all, the alien who gave them the bottle did say it would enhance the experience. It's another. It's a, that's a good point, actually. That it was a strange little diatribe. Um, yeah, they, they they have that like mind altering drink that they both drink. Yes. but nothing ever happens. They they it. drink while having a meeting about saving the yeah. ship. <laughs> we have to talk about the future. Let me take this acid first. <laughs> <laughs> this will be easier to understand if we're all tripping balls. Trust me. Yeah. After all, the alien who gave them the bottle did say it would enhance the experience. Cut to cut to Archer thinking he can walk through walls because of <laughs> right. that thing that he's got. <laughs> Well, they they play that scene like it's exactly from the episode where Archer, Archer walks it through the walls and everyone's like, wow, but then it cuts to reality and it's just him bumping into the wall over and over yeah, again. Yeah, he's just, he's just face down <laughs> caught in some like sheets or something. I remember not really caring for the way the Temporal Cold War played out, but as far as setup goes, it's not doing a bad job here. Three bottles of the good stuff out of five. People are generally so, positive on this. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. It's, uh, I don't know, maybe we're just getting too cynical in our... I know. Almost I, ten years, almost ten years of doing this. This is, the, I mean, a lot of these people are reflective too. So True. There's True. a there's a difference there, uh, Captain. So, Bruce, go ahead. I was thinking the scrambled eggs thing. Do you think is it possible? Because Kelsey Grammer was the captain of that ship in uh, the episode where the Enterprise keeps blowing up because they got caught in the temporal. Yeah, whatever. It's cause and effect in TNG. Do you think that he's sending a message that he doesn't know what to do with his tossed salad and scrambled eggs back to the past. (laughs) And that's like the key line that Daniels knows to get to Archer in order to prevent Kelsey Grammer's ship from getting caught in the bubble in the future. (laughs) He's there to save the Bozeman. It's that, uh, I don't know how Roz figures into this. That meme of, uh, cheers is just the TNG episode set on the holodeck where uh, all the characters have been obviously in there. Um, yes. Is it not right? What's uh, Lilith? Lilith was in a TNG episode as well. With was she really? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, they all were, yeah. Captain Brazen says, remember the Temple Cold War? Yeah. Ted Danson. We got to get Ted Danson on a Star Trek show. I know. He's in the Orville. He would be great. That's it. That's all I oh, know. Oh, he's in the Orville? He's in the yeah. Orville. That's like, it's like that's like having Hydrox instead of the <laughs> Yeah, I don't either. I don't remember the Temporal Cold War either. Sorry, I edited your. Did you know what I learned? I didn't look this up to make sure that this is true, but it's just one of those weird enough things that I believe it. That Hydrox, the cookies Hydrox, actually predate Oreos. I think I've heard that before, but I don't. I also yeah. don't know if it's true. If it is, it makes a lot of sense to me because, as the the person said where I read it, why would you ever want a cookie called a Hydrox? Yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> Hydrox sounds very Did, British. I would be. I would not be surprised if that was a British cookie. Um, yeah, it sounds like a cleaning product. Yeah, it does. Yeah, or a fancy hotel. And um, you know what else I discovered? I learned this a long time ago. You know why they're called Hydrox? Because of how much hydrogenated oil is used to make that white stuff in the middle. Oh, it's basically it's basically a scientific way of telling you these are terrible for you. Yeah, yeah. Heart attack in a can or a package, I suppose. Hydrox. Mm. I do like Hydrox, though. I don't think there's anything wrong with those cookies. Yeah, they're fine. Remember the Temporal Cold War? Yeah, me neither. 
uh, this is Captain Brazen. Crewman Daniels does, and he uh, knows how you like your eggs cooked, too. The continuing setup for the story arc is okay, but it's still sharing too much screen time with other plot lines, in my opinion. This time it's the religious aliens visiting the ship and flocks learning about their culture, which is quaint, but nothing more. That ending, uh, that ending shot on Daniel's door being locked with the ominous music cue playing is definitely on the nose. We get it. More wibbly-wobbly, time-wimey stuff will be happening later on. The concept of the temporal Cold War, though, is great. It makes sense that at some point various alien cultures would develop the technology to safely travel time for peaceful exploration or to use it for nefarious purposes. A temporal alliance or agency would be responsible for jumping to different eras to protect the timeline. A show could come from this idea, and visually we could see previous Trek aesthetics from the 60s, the TOS movies era, DS9, etc. Feasible or not, it's, not a, great con- it's a great concept for a completely different show, though. Two great points you know, out of five. You know what would make everybody really mad? To point out that the temporal Cold War uh, makes it possible that Enterprise is not the only show unaffected by the Kelvin timeline. Yes. Because. Yeah, you could tie that in. Who's to say if everybody's just traveling back and forth through time? Yeah. You know what would make this a lot easier? I bet bet the people who win the temporal Cold War are the ones who develop some sort of like winged time travel suit. (laughs) <laughs> that they can that they can 3d print in like an hour and a half if they need to as long as you're in the right uh the right era of tos i think that would work i was thinking when when the guy uh when daniels is talking to trip and he says that he's from illinois and he's like well i'm not from a place called illinois and he's like oh well as long as it's from earth and he's like well yeah it depends on what you you consider earth to be yeah i would i was thinking like how how much is there that people get is is there enough there for people to get pissed off if that isn't addressed by the time jump in discovery yeah because the time jump in discovery is like what three thousand years no it's a thousand right so a thousand discovery okay, so is like landing right, right about, around where he is yeah 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 oh my god is this gonna tie in somehow it could oh i'm kind of interested but also really afraid that they're gonna do that (laughs) but like but like if they if that's the case if there are a thousand years in the future in discovery and like earth is fine are people gonna get mad that they didn't stick to canon yeah they land and they open up in illinois and it's like welcome to the state of illinois on earth (laughs) they just the first shot is in like downtown chicago and michael burnham's like it looks fine to me Well, Yates says, I didn't get digging out Silk's eyes as punishment, but leaving everything else intact. I just couldn't get around why you would want to make your agent less capable. The religious sects in this uh, series seem different to all the other Star Treks, and I can't tell you why. It just does to me. I like Daniels, and I also can't stop thinking about the actor in the first episode of Scrubs walking around telling everyone he's a tool, tool, tool. A great story arc starts here, but I don't think the episode itself is all that great, although I did really like all the intrigue and uncertainty. And don't you think that they had every reason to go... Uh, to go after that ship at the end. I am I am now really concerned that we just cracked what season three of Discovery is going to be. Yeah, the people have been talking about it. So we're, we're just behind oh, the eight because okay. we, we okay. haven't realized what Enterprise is. But people are very sure. aware that the timelines are lining up with the Cold War stuff, I oh, think. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, well, we'll see. Neil Brennan says, Cold Front, I just don't think I like Bakula as a Star Trek captain. Every time he gets something to sink his teeth into, like here, it's just so workmanlike. Oh, boy. Kyle Barrett with a final comment, I believe. Yes, final comment. You know you weren't blown away by an episode when the only thing you want to talk about is Archer's weird salt and pepper shakers. I don't dislike the temporal Cold War. I think it's an intriguing concept, but I can't work up too much enthusiasm about it either, at least right now. 
This is another meh episode that I wish offered a little little more explanation for what the point of everything was. I get that they want the audience to feel as confused as the crew, but they push it a smidgen too far and it's hard to care. Captain Fraddock is my spirit animal, and I wish we had seen Daniels in previous episodes to sell the twist, like Seska and Voyager. But hey, we get the first mention of movie night, which will be a fun aspect of the show going forward. I do like that they seem to have a Netflix account on the Enterprise. Yes, yes, and they're pulling up uh, the Netflix movies that you end up on after scrolling for half an hour, so I can't really yeah. blame them. I, You know, I just saw an article online that the uh, the number one movie in America three weeks in a row is this low-budget horror movie called Wretched. Yep. Uh, that's been, it's been on top because it is a new release that is playing exclusively in drive-ins. Oh, nice. So it is actually, uh, the uh, the quote from the director was, one day will be a Jeopardy question. Uh, <laughs> that that what is the most successful but uh, lowest box office grossing movie of all time? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> well, good for him anyway, and a good decision to put it out in uh, the drive-thrus, I guess. Uh, that's it. Patrons, thank you very much for your thoughts about the episode. Cold Front, Clay, what are you going to give it on a scale of one to five? Oh, this will be boy. interesting for um, our rating here. I think I'm going to go two. Yeah. Yeah, like, because it's not, I mean, I guess it's, yeah, it's not, it's not, a, it's not complete enough of a story for me to really say it's, it's worth watching. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's worth watching because of the stuff it sets up, but. I'm going to give it a two as well. I think it's, um, I, I was intrigued by it. I was kind of, as I said, I was a little bit mesmerized, but I think it's, it's pretty weak. Uh, and I, once it was over, I was not really all that pleased with it. More explanation is encouraged for things like this. So I'm going to give it a two. Clay, give it a two. You know, speaking of Bacula, you know how he's got that one facial expression? Yep. I've also realized that he's got one way of delivering lines as well, which I find distracting. And it's it's in a way it's a way that he, like, never really believes what he's saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> as, as though he's, like, constantly giving uh, his lines he's telling people his lines over like a PA system or something where he's like, well, Daniel said that he's from the future and I personally look forward to the future and everything that it brings. <laughs> like it's, it's that kind of weird cadence that I never really believe he believes what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> he always, he does seem, um, he does have a way of, and I think sometimes maybe, it, maybe it works to his advantage here in this episode, but it generally doesn't. He is very, um, I don't know if I'd call it. It's like a happy-go-lucky delivery or something. Yeah, he's very... It's like Ronald Reagan. Yeah, we'll have more to talk about with Archer, but this was not a good Archer episode. I don't think he... He doesn't come out looking particularly good here. Guys, thank you very much for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. Patreon.com slash The Penske File if you want to support the show there. Otherwise, The Penske File.com slash links is where you can go for all the links to all the social media and stuff. The Discord you can join. All that good stuff. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? You know who would have been a great Star Trek captain? Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Geez. <laughs> he, he, he would have been great in Galaxy Quest, too, or some, some yeah. sort of movie parody Oh, of he would have been so good in Galaxy Quest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I want to see that movie. Anything you want to say Anyway. Uh, new Rotten Horror Picture Show should be out now, uh, covering the Innkeepers uh, and Batman. Badass should be back pretty soon. Same old, same old. I've got nothing new to say. It all continues. Oh, also... Uh, Sean, uh, my co-host for uh, Badass, uh, has a crowdfunding going on right now for a uh, graphic novel he's working on called The Plot Holes. So if you're looking for a new comic book in your life, check that out. It's on Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs he needs the money because he's already like 200% past his goal. Yes. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's a, it's a cool it's a cool story. Uh, I've seen I've read the first script and I've seen a lot of the artwork, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be very neat. Check out Sean's uh, Indiegogo. So just Google Indiegogo Sean Murphy and then plot yeah. lines, and you'll pull it up immediately. Plot holes. Plot holes. Sorry. Um, that's it. I think guys, we're done. Thank you very much for listening. Cold Front is over. The next episode is dun dun dun. Silent Enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not negative on Enterprise at this point. And you know what's the weirdest thing about it, Clay? I know you don't watch the theme song. I'm starting to associate the theme song like Pavlov's dog with the show. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I skip it all the time, but every, every time, but that skip button doesn't come up until after. After uh, that, it's, it's been, been a long, long <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'm in it. Yeah. I actually, uh, <clears throat> I just watched Armageddon for the first time in like 15 years last night. Uh, I don't want to miss a thing. Also written by Diane Warren. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a better song, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah the, but the the Enterprise theme song has like sunk itself into me being like, this is this is what this show is. Like they, I think, I think that's what people talk about when they say that it like grows on you. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I don't like it. No, I don't think it's a good song, but it it is undeniably Star Trek the Enterprise. Mark of the it's show. undeniably yeah. Star Trek Enterprise when it comes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. Enterprise has um. Enterprise's cold opens are strange too. They're very short, and then Real they short, go yeah. right into the theme song. It's almost it's almost like shocking how short they are sometimes. All right, we got to get out of here. Thank you guys very much for listening. We will see you next time.